0: Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan with Chris Parliament today on a game day for the Ottawa Senators. They're in Colorado to take on the Avalanche. Fitting because it's a milestone night for a senator and former Avalanche player. We'll get into that game and a couple of key injuries down the middle across the league. What that means for Ottawa and the Tankathon. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, February 11th. And, Chris, it is Mikel Bodker's 700th career NHL game.
1: You know, when he was, when we were a little bit younger and he was kind of in the prime of his career, he wasn't a bad guy that, you know, if, his, if you had him in your top nine, you'd say, hey, he's a pretty, uh, pretty viable player. You don't get the 700 without uh, putting together, I, I mean, something valuable for a squad, but man, has he dwindled away uh, another part of that that trades that sent Derek Carlson over there. And uh, you thought maybe you were getting a forward back that could do some damage potentially in the top six role in a depleted Ottawa lineup. But I mean, you look at what he's done and I guess the lack there of what he's done. Uh, he's going to be on a line tonight with what looks like Tyler Ennis, kind of shocking to see him down on the fourth line. But I guess with uh, Drake Batherson playing well and uh, Nick Paul back in the lineup, you start to see some guys drop, but Colin White in between Mikel Bodker and Tyler Ennis on a big milestone night.
0: You have your uh, your trades mixed up. I mean, I can't blame you because there have been so many over the last few years, but um, Bodker was actually a part of maybe the worst trade that Dorian's done. It was the Mike Hoffman, where he was uh, a San Jose Shark for about 15 minutes. Uh, Bodker coming back in that trade, and don't you remember the, the comparisons? Well, don't you remember when... When uh, Matthew Shane played 18 games with Mikel Bodker in Colorado, that was the entirety of Mikel Bodker's Colorado career. I mentioned off the top that it's kind of fitting that he gets to play against one of his former teams where he had 12 points in just 18 games with the abs in the 2015-2016 season. But then went to San Jose, had a couple of years. If I had told you that Mikel Bodker actually had 35 points last year, I think you probably would have guessed the under on it, but only seven goals in 71 games with Ottawa last season, has only played in 10 this year. With most teams, you, you think he would have been bought out and not even given an opportunity to stay with the team, but by all accounts, a great teammate, so it's good that he gets to uh, 700 games, so stick taps to him on the milestone there. These two teams actually played just last week in Ottawa, 4-1, the Avalanche won there. Are you expecting a similar result here tonight in Colorado?
1: I mean, this team is going to just kill you with speed. Uh, They're going to be missing Nazem Kadri, who looks like he's out for a while, but you're coming in with kind of opposite situations here. The Senators are looking to snap a five-game losing streak. Well... They're, the Avalanche are coming in looking for their fifth straight win. As you mentioned, one of those wins coming against Ottawa in a game that could have been way more lopsided. We talked about how Mar- Marcus Hogberg really kind of kept it in them in that game, the scoring chances. I think they had 34 shots on goal, if I remember correctly, and I think at least a half of them were quality scoring chances uh, where Marcus Hogberg was able to stop the puck. Just the one goal, Brady Kachuk finding it on a breakaway. I mean, I can't see it being any different tonight. You look at these players that they have, even with Nazem Kadri out of the lineup. It's those big, those big four players coming in—the three forwards—and then Kale McCarr, who is running away with Rookie of the Year. I mean, you can say that uh, Quinn Hughes is having a big year, and he certainly is. No disrespect to him when what he's doing in Vancouver this year, but uh, Kale McCarr coming in five points on a four-game point streak. Uh, he hit 40 points against Ottawa last time they played. He's just so smooth with the puck. So I I, I got to say, yeah, it's going to be uh, an- another similar situation tonight.
0: Yeah. Kel McCarr with 42 points in 46 games, the second leading scorer on the Avalanche team to no surprise. Number one, Nathan McKinnon with 76 points in 54 games. Good for top five in the league, but funny enough, I mean, the Sens have a three-way tie for their team lead in points. If you take, either two of them. So let's take Duclair and Pajot. 34 points a pop. That's 68. That means the two top scorers on the Ottawa Senators have eight less points than Nathan McKinnon this season. Let that sink in.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought that up because the Avalanche are certainly in a situation now where they're reaping the benefits of a rebuild that got them big names. And that includes a guy like Gabriel Landeskog, a guy that you just mentioned, in Nathan McKinnon and Miko Randon, where... I mean, you go out and you make a splash on uh, draft day, and it ends up being a huge part of your organization moving forward. You look at the Senators right now and hey, they're in a position to do the exact same thing with the big names in this draft and a quality pick. So looking at this team, Nathan McKinnon is, I believe, younger than me even. And he's already, like you said, putting up an unbelievable amount of points. He's uh, He's in MVP talks, it seems like, year in, year out. He's got all the tools and it certainly looks like a guy like Alexi Lafreniere just kind of fits that mold as well. So the Senators this year are sort of in a, almost three years behind what the Avalanche were able to do. Uh, they moved some big names, but one thing, as I was, I was thinking about it a little bit earlier with this matchup and what that means for the Senators moving forward, uh, potentially getting a, a big name like that. It's exciting to see that they're not only the top pick, they have so many picks left in the cupboard. But then you look down at Belleville and you see the, all the guys coming up depth-wise. I think with the top-end talent that Colorado has, it's it's hard to argue where they are organize, organizationally, but maybe their depth pieces aren't quite there to make them a real uh, contending team year in and year out. Whereas the Senators, if they're able to make the splash with not one but two picks three years down the line, these guys are that are in Belleville right now are going to be three years into an NHL career and add some quality depth behind hopefully what's a game breaker in the draft this year so let's let's play this game then because DJ Smith once again
0: reiterated that he he feels that they are the avalanche from three or four years ago so if you go back three years Nathan McKinnon led the avalanche in scoring with just 53 points Matthew Shane second with just 40 41 and that was Miko Rantanen's rookie year where he only had 38 points and was minus 25 in 75 games. So you do see these kids developing from, from that. Even Landis Cog, as a 24-year-old had a very down year uh, on a terrible team, of course, minus 25, just 33 points in 72 games. So you're seeing that this patience and staying with these guys, of course, adding that fourth overall pick, although he's not even in the lineup, Kale McCarr, um, yet. You, you nailed it with the draft before that that year where i just listed all the points that's where they got kale mccarr at also the fourth overall position so um yes yeah, it's, it's it is showing
1: that patience pays off right absolutely and when you look at it 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 almost takes a team struggling and kind of riding out the tough years and getting rewarded for it. I mean, you look at who's dominated lately and who's won the cup. It's teams that, I mean, kind of St. Louis is the the oddball out of that, but they were also in last place in January. So that team was just kind of an anomaly there. But you look at teams that have been unbelievable and put together quality years. It's teams like Chicago who used two top five picks to get Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, boom there's your building blocks moving forward and your superstars that are going to lead you to what was an unbelievable decade. You look at Pittsburgh. They got Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby. It took lean years to get these guys Don't and get into positions. Flurry. Exactly. It took lean years to get there. So, I mean, it's tough to sit here after two years removed from a goal away from the cup final, and it's kind of crazy the whirlwind it's been, but it's starting to look like the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel is certainly showing, and tonight when you go up against the Avalanche, that's just another reminder that, hey, sometimes it takes a little bit of patience to get players that where you walk into games saying, well, this is probably going to be a win tonight for the Avalanche, you know? It was a long time for them thinking what Senators fans are thinking it's right like, now. This is going to be a tough one tonight.
0: It's going to be interesting to see how the Avalanche deal with the loss of Nazem Kadri, and he's one of two elite centerman around, well, uh, maybe a lead I'm using lightly for uh, Nazem Khadri, but Connor McDavid as well. The two centermen that it's been announced today will be out long-term. McDavid, two to three weeks with a quad injury. And the way that Ken Holland was talking, the general manager for the Oilers, I wouldn't be surprised if that is a low guesstimate and that he might be out longer. He just didn't sound very confident when speaking about the injury. Wouldn't say whether there's a torn muscle or not. Uh, meanwhile, Nazem Khadri will be out weeks, not days, as Jared Bednar told uh, Colorado Radio with a lower body injury. We saw a trade last night that I'll mention soon, but do you think that those two, these are two teams that already were rumored as being interested in Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Does this impact what the Sens could get back come trade deadline?
1: You know, we talked about it yesterday and how much uh, value of a player changes when you get closer to deadline and these are situations where, yeah, now it's a huge hole down the middle of the ice for these teams that are already kind of playing as DJ Smith alluded to a couple days ago, playing playoff hockey already to try and cement themselves and give them a chance to get to the postseason. So these are, uh, these are desperate times for teams and kind of desperate situations and a guy like Jean Gabriel Pajot can certainly hop into a lineup, and he's shown it day in and day out this year, play 21 to 25 minutes of quality hockey for you, and come out on the other end a plus on one of the worst teams in hockey. So, general manager's got to be looking at that, kind of uh, chomping at the bit, and what Pillar mentioned yesterday, and being kind of a soft deadline day, not a lot of talent to uh to grab at this year so John Gabriel Pajot's stock keeps rising and I think this is a time for Pierre Dorian to uh I know we've mentioned on this show that we'd all like to see Pajot stay but if he has the chance to move him for something big you, you have to do it
0: would you take similar to what Minnesota received they made a trade last night albeit for a winger who has term left on his deal three years uh for Jason Zucker left on his contract they got Kalen Addison, who I believe is about a B-level prospect. Uh, mm-hmm. He was just named in Scott Wheeler with the Athletics uh, rankings as the number one prospect for the Penguins, although they were towards the bottom of the league, as you would expect for a team competing year in, year out. They also got a protected first-round pick, although it looks likely the Penguins will make the playoffs. And Alex Galchenyuk, the, um, what, thrown around for He's becoming a bit of a suitcase now, but that was more just to make money work. So, a B level prospect and a first round pick. Uh, do you think that that impacts it? The, I think the fact that Zucker is locked up might might make this an irrelevant comparable.
1: Yeah, it's a tough comparable, but uh, it's definitely something you got to mention just because of the relevance of it. It happened just last night. Uh, Jason Zucker is a quality player moving over there, and I don't think he would have the same impact uh, if Con Contracts put aside, I don't think he would have the same impact to a lineup as a Jean-Gabriel Pajot would. Um, So, yeah, it's tough. I guess if you're looking at it in that sort of situation, that makes the first-round pick not just necessary for the Senators to get the deal done, but obvious now. And uh, then it's kind of what can you add on top of that. Because Pierre Dorian can look at this deal and say, hey, Jean-Gabriel Pajot plays down the middle of the ice. He's a pure rental piece, so he's not going to hurt you down the middle. You don't have to give up that guy that's going to play top nine minutes for you just to make money work. So that first round pick plus, I think that prospect can get up to an A-level prospect. So if you're trying to compare those deals, you got to look at it as Pajot looks more valuable in this. So that B-level prospect on who's number one in a system that's not very deep can, uh, jump up to an A-level prospect and add to a very deep system in Ottawa in prospects. So, I mean, yeah, especially with guys going down like that, as you mentioned earlier, a guy like Nazem Kadri or an always thirsty Edmonton team for center ice players, uh, I think this is just another good thing for Ottawa. Too bad that jean Gabriel Pajot is a guy that most fans would want to keep.
0: Yeah, well, don't forget it's either him or Tierney, so if these teams are calling, you can say, hey, maybe Pajot's not a piece that we're willing to part with, just because we see him as a long-term, like a senator-for-life type player, Um, which, I mean, you need one of them every once in a while. We're seeing one (laughs) get their number retired, which we'll get into later in the week, and and leading into Phillip's uh, retirement game uh, next Tuesday, but you have to have some sort of continuity, so if that's the case, then hey, Chris Tierney could be a guy of value for these teams, and The Oilers, to a lesser extent, but the Avalanche have a ton of players that I would be interested in in their minor league system. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But, oh man, it was fun to watch last night. We got to get into the Shark Tank. A huge loss, 6-2 to versus Calgary. Their two-game winning streak and the happy times in San Jose are over. Now, Eric Carlson was good last night, goal and an assist. But if you give up goals in the first 10 minutes of the game to Milan Lucic, Zach Ronaldo and Tobias Reeder, that's going to be a long night for your team.
1: Yeah, that's three. That's yikes. You don't want to do it. And uh, I mean, this is an Ottawa Senators podcast. So although we're talking about the Shark Tank, I think we'd be remiss to mention that brother of Brady Kachuk had another highlight reel between the legs goal last night. Yeah,
0: unbelievable. I was watching that live and I, I stood up in my seat. I was like, man, this kid is special. It was in tight as well, and it reminded me uh, the last time, because you know that San Jose had such a unique camera angle. It's so high up. Um, mm. The last time, do you remember the last time there was a between-the-legs goal in that, that rink?
1: It was Thomas Hurdle when he was it, like 19, wasn't it? His, his four-goal
0: game that ended Marty Biron's career. <laughs> but you, t- to get back to the game, yeah, that goal by Kachuk was, was something special, and that was just a team effort, because they, they were up 3 nothing. and I find it well, it's very common, I think, in the NHL that when a team goes up 3-0 that early, it's so hard to keep the foot on the gas pedal. You often see teams make it close. And when, when San Jose made it 3-2, I was like, oh, no, here we go. But then 4 5 6 2 kind of made you breathe a little easier. It was a huge loss. For, well, win for the Senators, loss for, for the Sharks in the standings because now – New Jersey is breathing down their, their throat. If, if New Jersey wins here Tuesday night, they're only up they're tied actually in points with San Jose. And if San Jose can get into the bottom five here, and we're tweeting it out, you can follow along every day on our Twitter account at Send Central. We're tweeting out the Tank Watch, where we'll highlight which games are on tonight that impact it, and then we're attaching not only the the daily standings in the NHL, but we're making it easy for you. We're also attaching the Tankathon standings, so you can see what percentage the sands versus other teams have to get a top three pick so it was a huge result for for ottawa last night and going forward i mean it's not going to get any easier for the san jose team who they just seem like they can't get a save they can't start on time they've got a few key injuries and all these together is just kind of creating a perfect storm for a uh, shark nato you could even call it coming maybe to the nation's capital I think without further ado, we should get into the uh, tankathon spin because we want to get this out in time for you guys to listen to before the Sens take on the uh, Avalanche tonight. It is a later start, nine o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Parley, would you like to go first here? I'll let you know that the senators have the third best odds right now. San Jose, fifth best odds to give us their first round pick. You want to give her a spin?
1: As it's spinning here, uh, I think it's just funny to mention that we've, uh, we are, are definitely a goalie friendly show, but we have been hard on Martin Jones this year. And, uh, I guess subsequently, Aaron Dell, just the goaltending in San Jose, how they, you mentioned it there, can't get a save sometimes. In no way are they hoping themselves in a loss last night, taking 24 penalty minutes. I thought that was a fun stat to throw in there to kind of add on to what is a, a definitely stinking ship in San Jose. But... Hey, before you
0: give it a read, I will uh, I'll double down on that and obscure senators news. Stefan Nason, one of the three first rounders from the 2011 draft, um, he kind of lost it at the end of the game and and took a a two two and a ten. So that that helped that out.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's funny. Senators connections, leave it to Ross Levitan to pull that one out. Um, So lately I've mentioned that uh, I'm not getting much luck here on the draft simulator. Nothing really helpful today either, but it's better than it has been lately. And it's going to not help uh, number picks, number six and seven keep rolling. Like they have been in our odds that we keep track of every day. The Senators pick just slipping one spot to number four. And San Jose stand put at number five. Weirdly enough, New Jersey and Ottawa are the only teams to flip. Everybody else in the lottery stayed the exact same. Kind of weird there. So, Ottawa picking fourth and fifth, two top five picks.
0: That's what you love to see. Let's see if I can get a similar one. And no, this is uh, again, maybe the worst result possible. Both picks dropped three. So, I've got Ottawa's own pick at six. And the San Jose pick at eight, so six and eight. Yikes! Yeah, not ideal. But with the way San Jose is going, I'm convinced that it's going to be a little bit higher. That's all for us here. Uh, we're off tomorrow. We'll be back to preview the weekend. Belleville's got a busy one ahead. Lots of divisional stuff to talk about there. And the Ottawa Senators will begin a long home stand. That's it for us today. For Chris Parliament, I'm Ross Levitan. You've been listening to the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.